G'day. I hope everybody out there is have, having a beautiful uh, Christmas break, uh, whatever you want to call it in your cultural language. It's, it is a, a time for joy and um, unfortunately in places where there is conflict between Christian and uh, Islamic people or Buddhist as in the case of Burma, uh, it's a time for mayhem and assault. Uh, we can send a little love to those who are in struggle. Um, it's not easy to be in that space. Uh, and I think one of the things that we all now know from doing the work with Inner Wealth is not everything needs to be dealt with hands-on. You can make an influence in the world by sending energy. Uh, for those of you who don't believe that you can send energy and transform an outcome, Stop this podcast now and uh, have a nice day. For the rest of us, let's just sit here and uh, recognize that what energy we put out, we get back. And we don't always have to lay our hands on something in order for it to be different. We don't always have to uh, give it with a present or a toy or a, uh, or a kiss or a hug or a sex. We don't always have to do something physical uh, and local in order to cause trouble or happiness. So any anger, any violence, any sense of agitation you have in your mind, just know that it's working and it's causing the other person pain. And if that's what you want to cause, stop this podcast now. So we're starting to create what uh, one of my favorite uh, people in the world, Louis Cox. If you want to look him up, he wrote a book called Ego. The Ghost in Your Machinery, and Lou just sent me um, a, a signed copy of his book, and in the front cover he wrote, To a Trusted Colleague and Fellow Traveller. And I just want to say that um, we are on a journey of exploration together. Uh, we are not uh, trying to create a finite outcome. What we recognise is normality stinks. What we recognize is what people call normal is horrible and we don't want a bar of it. Um, that means we form uh, a collective, which in uh, Lou's book he calls a tribe. I don't like the word tribe myself, but he's chosen it. Um, I think tribe creates sort of another boundary around us and the rest of the world. I don't like tribes. I don't like tribalism and I don't like culturalism which partitions us from others. What we recognize is there's a pyramid. We know there's a pyramid. At the bottom of the pyramid, there's the uh, what, what's called mass consciousness, which to which everybody calls normal, which is polarized thinking, uh, opinions, I'm right, you're wrong, you're wrong, I'm right, uh, 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 ideas of this is the perfect way and there is no other ideas that there is a finite space we can achieve in life that makes us perfect and there's no shit going to happen from that day on. Some idea that we're going to get punished if we do wrong by an almighty hand, which is once it's ingrained in our consciousness is really hard to escape, but is not true. And therefore an idea that religion holds any candle to truth. Its purpose is not truth. Its purpose is control the masses at the bottom of the pyramid and therefore religion is essential and necessary and wonderful and magnificent 
Unfortunately, the oppie pole to all those good things about religion is the fanatics who think other religions are wrong and they should go about destroying them. So we don't want to participate in that. We just say it is what it is. That's how you work when you work with metaphysics and you work with inner wealth. You recognize that the, if you take a stand uh, against something else, someone else will make an oppie stand against us. And therefore, your opinion or your feelings or your heart-driven experience or your contribution to the world is absolutely and 100% neutralized. If you want your opinions and your work and your uh, giving in this world to be neutralized, just stand on an opposite, stand on an oppie stance, and then you will get resistance, which is a bloody nuisance, which causes a fan dance, which is a uh, lost chance to cause a renaissance. That's pretty good, right? I just made it up. So, what we're talking about here is the difference between the masses, normality, and inner wealth. Spirit-seeking, soul-searching, recognition that we're all called, called to get to be a more powerful version of ourselves and therefore be able to draw people along with us. It's called leadership. And therefore be able to inspire others to get outside of what's under a, a very wet blanket, which is called uh, mass media, which is called social media, which is called the norm under which the majority of the global population, unless they're uneducated, are affected. Today, I want to talk about something really, really interesting. And there is a quote, it's called, you can't turn a sow's ear into a silk purse. What does that mean? It means if you've got shit on your plate, there's no way you can make that edible. If you've got trouble in your life, there's no way you can make that acceptable. If you've got stress, a stressful person, there's no way you can make them lovable. If you've got a person who's hurt you, there's no way you can make that uh, a, a gift. There, if there's something you're ungrateful for, you should either go about changing it, fixing it, or stuffing it down in a sock, or run away as fast as you can. So this is the, the corollary of you can't make a, silk, a sow's ear into a silk purse. But as I was vacuuming the house today and cleaning up the remnants of my two little uh, visitors uh, who stayed with me last week, my partner's kids, um, and vacuuming away, I was in some part of me, because the cleaner is on holidays as well, some part of me was going, shit, you know, I don't really want to do the vacuuming. I've got work to do and it's a nice day outside. It's been raining. It's good to get some fresh air. And I've had a, I, I had a, um, a pedicure today and they, the poor lady had to use an, uh, an angle grinder to grind my toes away. But I ended up with really, really, really soft and lovely uh, toenails all fixed up. And I sat next to uh, my partner as she got hers done and painted. That was a little bit of a Christmas treat. And we had brekkie on the beach and had a lovely day. So anyway, long story short, I came home, I got this, uh, we had brekkie and then I had a resentful uh, experience of vacuuming. But while I was vacuuming, I thought about the sow's ear and the silk purse idea. And so I got an inspiration. And in that is a story because here I was doing something that's a sow's ear, vacuuming the frickin' floor, and picking up, vacuuming up bits of pieces of peanuts and whatever was dropped all around. Probably not peanuts because they probably don't get fed then. But 
bits and pieces of all sorts of things the dog didn't find. And uh, thinking to myself, what am I doing here? I'm da, 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 da. And then I went, ah, da, da, da. and then I thought about something really interesting. So my dad used to tell me stories, um, not stories like we get now, not fairy tales. My dad never told a fairy tale in his life, but my dad told stories about him in the war. And he told stories like this. Well, one night he went out with some mates and they all got drunk. This is my dad telling me, a six-year-old kid, a great story. And my dad told this a hundred times. We all got drunk. We got so drunk. And he said, I came home the next day and I couldn't find my false teeth because he'd had all these, as they did in those days, you had all your teeth out really quick and you got a, a denture put in, uh, uh, which you spent the rest of your life complaining about. And uh, he went to the dentist next day and said, you know, um, I was flying, the wind blew uh, in the aeroplane and blew out my teeth, you know, blah, blah. He made up a really big lie and the dentist said, well, that's funny because someone at the party last night picked your teeth out of spew. <laughs> My dad had obviously puked up and with it went his teeth and someone picked the teeth out of it and brought it to the dentist knowing dad would turn up the next day. So my dad's funny story and he would tell story after story after story, which were in some ways ridiculous, but in what he was always showing is that you can always make a silk purse out of a sow's ear. He told story after story about, you know, uh, his father uh, was being chased all over Tasmania because my father's father, my grandfa uh, grandfather, I suppose, he, um, he was one of these, uh, he was an insurance salesman, but he, he sold smoke. And he was, uh, what do they call them in America, where they sell, get on the back of a, a wagon and sell uh, um, sell things that don't work, you know, uh, magical cures. And one of the things my uh, grandfather sold were cigarette lighters in the, in the days when nobody um, uh, had a cigarette lighter, but the thing was, it didn't work. And so what my grandfather used to do is wipe his finger across the wick with, uh, and he'd have um, some sort of uh, lighter fluid on his finger, wipe it across the wick, flick the lighter, the thing would work once, and then he'd sell it and drive on to the next town. So. Uh, he was an extreme uh, alcoholic, my grandpa, and beat up his wife. But my dad stepped in and stopped the fights. And, and dad would tell these stories always to the funny side. He'd always find the, the silk purse in the sow's ear. And dad told story after story after story about these things, about having punch-ups with my grandpa or rowing in the uh in the in the mercy river near devonport there and sinking at sea and having to be rescued and then he'd tell a funny story about the he wouldn't tell a dramatic event that didn't have a funny happy ending and i think one of the things that i got from this is is that there is no story that's fixed there is no story that's fixed there's nothing there's nothing even the world trade center made millions of people around this planet in fact billions of people around this planet hug each other that were not thankful death is one of the greatest causes of love on this planet and the greatest causes of gratitude for each other and so even though we're not allowed to celebrate the dark which we don't we are allowed to retell the story in the light and i think it's an art i think it's a gift that i was i wasn't born with this art of being able to help people retell their stories but what i do know is that if you want to tell a story in a certain way, you will tell the next story in the same way. And so if you say, well, I had bad luck, I lost my job and I'm going to get a new job. 
you'll be looking at the new job thinking, I wonder when I'm going to lose this job because I didn't have a hand. I didn't have a, a silk purse in the last job. But if you said, I actually manifested the end of my last uh, career opportunity in order that I would become available for a new opportunity and I will choose when I manifest the ending of this one consciously or unconsciously in order to move me to the next one. It eliminates so much of the uh, uh, placebo effect of causing a result that isn't necessary, wasting life. And we were talking about this this morning, is that you, 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 one of the things uh, Jess and I were talking about this morning was whether we would go down to Melbourne for three days during the period between Christmas and New Year and uh, pick up my new bike, which is down at Port Melbourne Bike Shop. And we were talking about it and we were quite excited to go down and stay at Bright, uh, go down to Melbourne, travel the rest of the way the next day, stay in Melbourne a night, travel back. And then I'm sitting there going, well, something doesn't feel right in my gut. And I'm thinking uh, about story. What's the story? And the story is that I would put our lives at risk in the busiest time of the year when most accidents on the highways in Australia happen, Christmas to New Year, to drive down for eight hours, to be in Melbourne for eight hours and to drive back for eight hours. That's a massive amount of uh, risk investment in order to pick up a bike. Um, and, and I was thinking about the story that, w and I said to her, well, what if we did have an accident and the story was we went to Melbourne to pick up a bike or to have fun along the way. And I said, it's just not good enough. It's not good enough. And my guts were telling me that the whole time. My head was saying it sounds like fun and it's a, it's a, a bonding exercise between us and we can go and do it and learn a little bit more about each other and she can go trail running and I can go bike ride. It, it, there's a way of telling the story that's going to be inverted commas fun. But I wouldn't be seeing any of my clients and that means it's not, uh, it's not in a way on purpose for me and it was, would be an indulgence in bonding and that's not really good enough to cause the loss of my life or the loss, more importantly, the loss of hers and her life being the mother of two beautiful little puppies that she brought here to, to, to stay for the week, two little kids. So I, I think storytelling uh, is a really critical part of life and I think being able to tell a story with a, with a silk purse um, as a result of a sow's ear um, in, in situation and being able to therefore have a bit of a laugh at ourselves and the situation is critical. Now, I know all the spiritual searching and the soul searching leads us to heavy, what's my values, what's my this, what's my that, and where am I going and what am I doing? But 99 times out of 100, when we ask a question, our ego is asking it in order to, in some ways, protect what we've got. It's very defensive, our ego. It wants to know. It doesn't want to be involved in the unknown. Now, driving to Melbourne was the unknown. Going from Sydney to Melbourne by car during Christmas and New Year is putting the lives of all the people at risk, probably about three to four times the normal rate. And the probability of ha having an accident is one in a million. So it's not necessarily a really high risk event. However, the probabilities change. And therefore, for me, the rationalization of why am I going? Could I arrange to see some clients while I'm down? Well, we didn't have a time window 
and I know I won't be in my best Chris self after eight, 10 hours sitting on my bum in a car, no matter how many breaks I had for running around and stopping. And so I put an end to the whole thing. I said, no, we're not going. And we went and had a pedicure instead. <laughs> so we didn't leave the space vacant. We just went and did something else. And, and, and yeah, uh, in some way, we had to let go of something that would have been inverted commas fun and time consuming. Which brings me to the next point of this conversation. The next point of this conversation is when we were sitting in the pedicurist and uh, we we're both sitting in these massage chairs and getting our backs, oh, it was just bliss on earth. These massage chairs, I really, really think I might buy one. They are spectacular and it even massages your bum. And I've got to say that even felt better than the back, but let's not go there. The bottom line of all this is that while we were sitting there, we had two very professional Thai uh, uh, goddesses down there working on our feet with nail files and pointy things and sharp sticks and they were peeling away skin that shouldn't be there and, uh, you know, and grinding away, trying to get them all nice and smooth and then doing all this work. And while they were doing this, I sat there just watching the method uh, the magic of the process that they were doing. And I, I was watching my own feet, I was focused on my own thing and I'm sitting there watching that. Whereas Jess, who was more normal, more normal in her approach to life, wanted to have a chat about the kids, wanted to have a chat about the trip, wanted to have a chat about the lady doing the work, wanted to talk about the colors of the nail polish on the wall. And her mind was fully absorbed in the experience, but, but, it, but it wasn't immersed. And I think, um, and I said to her, I didn't say stop because I think she's what's called, a, she has a normal thinking process, which is look what's happening all around me. And I have a uh, process that I've learned, which is how to sink into uh, what's going on in me. And so I, I'm not saying I was right, she was wrong, but I was actually, I have now a permanently embedded memory which if in 30 years time, I will still be able to recall the memory of sitting there for 15 or 20 minutes and having uh, this uh, pedicurist do my feet. And it wasn't anything sexual, it wasn't anything stupid. It was just simply being able to be in that moment, be in that experience, not in the moment, but more in the experience of the moment, to sink into it. We came back after it and we sat at the breakfast table and the music was playing. It was a lovely song on the, on the iTunes and we always have the uh, music in the background of some sort and a little bit quiet and just nice. And we're sitting there eating our, our brekkie opposite sides of the table and we just looked up and we looked into each other's eyes and we just sunk into the moment. And just for a little while, we stopped talking we stopped eating, we stopped moving, we just stopped. And it was not a moment of love, it was a moment of recognition. And that's exactly the same experience of dropping into the moment we had in the, in the podiatrist. It was the ability to sink into the moment and not sink in an in emotional, moody sense, but to completely allow where you are to go all the way down to your stomach and all the way back up to your your brain rather than being stuck in our heads running around thinking about what's next and how good it is and just trying to describe it to each other 
we chatted about this experience after it was finished because it finished by its own timing we we chatted about it and 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 what she said is just said she's embarrassed to not talk because it feels like it's being rude to the other person and it's, it's such a wonderful thing to hear that that this silence or this ability not to talk or this ability to just stay quiet while the pedicurist is doing her thing this is so abnormal that people feel that they need to fill the space with noise and chatter and conversation in order to make other people feel comfortable and I think that's something we all have to deal with and get over because it isn't just isn't true. Into stillness, uh, we command a degree of respect. Into noise, we can't command a degree of agitation and disrespect. So for January 2022, the focus of my podcast and the focus of the blogs and the focus of all the work with the clients and the focus of all the coaching is going to be communication, number one, how to communicate the way you are and how to communicate non-verbally the way you are and to actually share what you want when you're not with someone. It's called non-local communication. And the other part of it is the ability to go into immersion, the ability to actually be strong and still in the silence of a space. And I think these two things go hand in hand, to be frank about it. So, um, yeah, that's it for the day. It's been a while since I did any podcasts. It's been the rain on the beach and a bit of Christmas cheer around here. So uh, welcome all back, and we'll be running through into 2022 with these podcasts again. Troy's on holiday, so the other podcast is on hold probably until February, mid-February, when he gets back. So um, be well, stay safe. Bye for now.